You just boarded a flight to New York. There are 143 other passengers on board. What you don't know is that 30 minutes before the flight, your pilot's family was kidnapped. For his family to live, everyone on your plane must die. The only way the family will survive is if the pilot follows his orders and crashes the plane. Enjoy the flight. This week, we're reading Falling by T.J. Newman, and you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get lit! Hey, y'all. This is Kari. And you're listening to Lit Society, a show about books and drama. And you're watching us on YouTube. Hey, this is season. This is episode two of season five. Uh, usually, we start the intro with a portion that we've read our uh, written ourselves. I'm reading from the book jacket this week. So if you enjoyed that intro, that is from T.J. Newman's publisher. I'm tired, y'all. I didn't have the time to uh, write anything. Um, how are you doing, Alexis? I'm doing a good. Okay, I said right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I am. Yeah, you're not feeling your best today. I'm gonna put you on blast. (laughs) So why are you here? Why do you do the show if you're not feeling 100? Because I love to do the show. I enjoy talking about the books with you. I can't wait to hear your viewpoint on it, and you know, it's fun. I like it. I agree. Yeah. And in our fifth season, I really feel like we're talking to our book club. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a little less pressure to be perfect in everything. There are more ums and ahs sometimes in our episodes. (laughs) Um, Well, we're able to feel relaxed because so many people have showed us love. And in that vein, (gasps) let's dive into Society Says. Okay. Oh, wow. Society Says is the portion of the show where we share your thoughts, listeners, with the rest of the Lit Society. Alexis, is there a comment you'd like to share from a listener, a viewer on YouTube, perhaps this week? What you got? So this um, comment that I found is from Apple Podcasts and it's titled Look Forward to Each New Episode. And it's from Train Spotting Mama. (laughs) Uh, She said, I found your podcast when I did a search on Wallace Stegner and have been hooked ever since. I love listening to different viewpoints, excuse me, points of view for books I've read and on new books I add to my list. Anyone can spin humor into a Jane Eyre review. Oh, anyone who can spin humor into a Jane Eyre review is pure genius. (laughs) Keep on reading, Miriam. Thank you. Miriam. Right. Thank you. I love this. I was drawn to this comment because of the wag uh, Wallace Wagner. Yeah. And that was like a favorite of mine. Excuse me. I don't remember the book, but I remember that's the one I picked up from the library. I'm uh-huh. um, just in the library one day and I grabbed the book. You don't remember book. the book? I don't remember the name of the Remembering book. Remembering Laughter. Uh-huh. That's where the two sisters. Yeah. Yeah. I like that book because I think I read it in four hours. <laughs> it was really short. It was a <laughs> short book. Definitely a short book. It don't book. take all day to get your point across. Get to the point. And for exactly. Jane Eyre, someone has to put humor into a Bronte book. It might as well be us. So thank you for that. <laughs> How about you, right. Kari? Did you have a, a comment that you wanted to share? Shout it. 
Okay. okay. So this also comes from Apple Podcasts. And this comment is from Dooba Doo Boop a Doo Boop Boop Boop. <laughs> Here we go. Uh Hammy <clears throat> two four five eight. They title it actually laugh out loud. <laughs> I love these ladies. I'm constantly laughing out loud with them. I've listened to every episode. And sometimes when I need a comfort listen, I'll go back and pick a random episode. Aww. But they aren't all comedy. Not sure they even try to be funny. They just are. I love the book discussion and they often point out things I haven't picked up on. Love it. Thank you, Hammy. Thank you. Thank you. I love that comment. That's really sweet. <laughs> you guys keep us going week after week. Thank Absolutely. you. We appreciate you. And listeners, if you want to have your comments shared on the show, uh, leave us a message on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, send us an email, uh, find us on Instagram. We ain't even going to pretend to be on Facebook <laughs> anymore. Yikes. 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 And on that note, let's take a break and dive into our author and context. Let's do it. All right. Tell us about T.J. Newman. Can I just tell you, first of all, I love those androgynous uh, names. N- yeah. Plume de no- Gnome de Plumes. Uh-huh. Y'all know what it's called. I love that. Because I was reading this book and I also listened to the audio. And at one point um, for the author section, there was a man reading. And uh-huh. I was like, hold on. Was I duped? I thought T.J. was a woman. But it is a woman, right? That's what I thought. I thought T.J. was a man. Oh, that's why you Actually. picked it. If y'all can okay. see us on YouTube, you anyway. see my disappointment. <laughs> but not surprised. I was shocked to learn. I I guess I just attribute TJ to a male's I love name. That. Yeah. So TJ Newman is actually Tori Jane, a former flight attendant and bookseller. She studied musical theater uh, at Illinois Westland. Westland University. Are you familiar familiar with that? Mm -mm. She graduated in 2006. And after graduating, she moved to New York City to pursue an acting career. She would eventually return home because she was not successful. And she started working for an independent bookstore um, called Changing Hands. And she worked there until 2011. And she worked as a flight attendant for 10 years before she was furloughed at the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. This book that we're reading today yes. was rejected by 41, 41 agents. Yeah. Do you know why? Before being accepted by Shane Salerno. No, you want to tell us. Being accepted with a movie option right away. Yeah. And um, a promise I, wait, of a second. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to tell us why. Oh, you got that. Okay, okay, okay. So I thought it would be because of perhaps um, some of the factual statements made about international relations in the book. Oh. However, no. Um, the guess, the assumption is that this book was not picked up because it breaks a lot of rules that creative writers are told, Oh, uh, you know, never do like never. Interesting. Without, I mean, we are going to spoil the book. Oh, I hope we said that last episode. We spoil these books. Spoilers in a moment, but no spoilers right now. So one thing she does, it starts with a dream and you never really want to do that. You're taught because it ruins the reader's confidence in you. When you start with a dream and it's like, psych, that never happened. New day, 
uh, then the readers kind of feels like they can't trust anything you present to them throughout the book. There's a part where the protagonist looks in the mirror and describes himself. Those type of moments don't usually progress the story. So that's kind of something you usually want to stay away from. Little things like that. I mean, um, some things are told to you in this book instead of shown to you in the story. And I feel like that's a quote unquote mistake a lot of uh, screenwriters and authors make. And it's not always a mistake. Sometimes it works. Sometimes you just ain't got time to show everybody everything you need to tell them a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. And by that, I mean, if I want to make a story about uh, Alexis getting her hair done and I say Alexis got her hair done, that's not as interesting as saying Alexis walked into the yeah. dark room exactly you know cockroaches on the ceiling i'm just describing the last place i got my hair done <laughs> and you haven't gotten Fresh your hair done butt. in a very long time Shade. in the salon in the salon in the salon last time i got my hair done she was eating fish <laughs> while doing my hair did you leave so, with your hair smelling like fish? Yeah, uh, of course. But you know, I just stayed in that chair and shut it up. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> please tell that. us more about TJ. Well, like you said, you you can go ahead and tell us about uh, <laughs> Shane Salerno, who he is, what he's oh, done. Agent? Yeah. Yeah. The he one that picked it up. He looked, he looked at the book and he saw the promise. They did work on it with her, which is normal. Uh-huh. So he got the draft that she had and um, that she had ironed out fleshed out and uh, they worked on it. Uh, it got optioned for a movie deal yep. right away. Right away. And I think um, like a second book deal was given to her right away also, yeah. which is Drowning. That's out now. Yeah. Um, this book debuted at number two on the New York Times bestsellers list. I didn't list. know that. Okay. Yeah. So those agents really missed out because it sold to Universal and working title for film rights for 1.5 million and Mm -hmm. tj is writing the script i think this is a great another example on perspective because if the agent didn't see it it wasn't for the agent to push you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i wouldn't say they missed out because they would have been lacking in the um, in the push yeah okay you didn't believe in it so good thing you didn't get it Uh but good for her for having the resources and time to try 40 more times yeah yeah. yeah. And then um, what do you know about Shane Salerno? Do you know what he's um, written, screenwritten in the Mm-mm, past? No. He's worked on um, the latest Avatar movie. He worked on Armageddon and he did the 2000 movie Shaft. I don't like any of those movies, but um, I love Armageddon, though. I love that one. Mm. And I don't want to miss a thing. I love this song, especially. Exactly. Y'all welcome. Okay, thank you. Listen, she released that second book in May 2023, which is Drowning. Um, And like you said, there was a bidding war immediately and Warner Brothers got that one. And she's got two more books coming out. Jumping and uh, pooting. <laughs> I heard it's explosive. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm tired. I'm really. Go ahead. She's getting on radio, folks. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you about her inspiration. Okay, it says, and I snipped this right from the article. It said, the concept for falling came to me at work. I was working a red eye to New York. I wrote much of the book on the plane, and I was standing at the front of the cabin looking out. At the passengers, it was dark. They were asleep. And for the first time, I 
a thought occurred to me, their lives, our lives were in the pilot's hand. So with that much power and responsibility, how vulnerable does that make a commercial pilot? And I just couldn't shake the thought. So a few days later, I was on a different trip with a different set of pilots. And one day I threw out to the captain, what would you do if your family was kidnapped and you were told that if you didn't crash the plane, they would be killed? What would you do? He said, you can go home. <laughs> no, and the look on his face terrified me. I knew he didn't have an answer. And I knew that was the makings of my first book. So that is TJ Holmes. Wow, she really got in my head. Yeah, yeah. So Kari, um, who do you think would enjoy this book? Yeah, I think if you're ready for hijack movies, if that's something you think you can enjoy at this time of your life. I know that there was a show called Hijack some people watched. Um, I think I did watch that. No, I'm surprised you didn't because... I think I did. I think uh, I watched a few episodes of it. You don't think I did? No, you didn't. I know you didn't. No. But anyway, um, familiar though. yeah, it's that type of story. It's like exactly that where it's not about caring about the characters. It's very plot driven. This mm. is not a character driven novel. So if you're into that, if you're into cliffhangers and this happened next and then this happened, just a fun read. Then I think you'll be interested in this. Okay. And Alexis, why did you choose Falling by T.J. Newman? You know, and I was searching and I think I said this before when I was searching for Apollo Murders, that Chris Hatfield book, the one that we didn't love. um, Falling popped up as a similar book. So I added it to my list. And so I put it on hold to read and I opened it, but I never read it. So I've been meaning to go back to it for a while. um, And it came up last year uh, in the last year as I was looking at for a book to read um, while we were on our break. Oh, so that's what a reason is any. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Well, without further ado, are you ready to dive deep into the plot of Folly? Absolutely. I am. And I'm okay. going to dig in full spoiler alert. Okay. Okay. Spoilers. Yeah. They're coming. So there's an explosion. Bill can see um, the aisles from the, the cockpit from the back of the plane. He's um has blood on his shoe. He sees a, a bloody shoe on a foot attached with a foot attached flying through the air. And then that's sucked up through a sucked out through a hole in the aircraft. Uh, a flight attendant was crawling on the aisle around up the aisle, screaming for passengers to put on their oxygen mask. And as the plane took a nosedive, Bill could see the debris, bodies and luggage being thrown about. As the plane leveled, a woman screamed for help, saying her husband had been shot. But as the flight attendant approached, it was clear there were no bullets, but rivets from the plane. Bill was looking at the blood and the bodies when a flight attendant asked him who has control of the plane. If you're here, who's there? I see why the agents dropped this, but that's okay. (laughs) Listen, Bill tried to speak, but he couldn't. He knew he was supposed to be on the other side of that closed cockpit door. He sprinted for the door as people screamed for help and the door seemed to move further away as he ran toward it. He thought how to breach the sealed cockpit as he pounded on the door until his fist went numb. Fist went numb. And then it suddenly opened. Alarms were loud and buttons were flashing. <laughs> Bill froze trying to make a decision. The alarms and voices only got louder when Bill heard um, what uh, heard um, 
from the captain's cock, uh, from the co-pilot seat, <laughs> his 10-year-old son. He saw him in his pajamas and he was paralyzed in fear and terrified he would make the wrong call when he heard, Bill, it's time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, the, the son made a suggestion like, Dad, why don't you just oh, that's move, right. move the lever to the left? And then rah, rah, rah. And he was like, oh, my son. Yeah. Yeah. He woke up. It was a dream. As Kari said, it was a dream to all of you who hadn't read it. What'd you think about that, though? Was it, in, was it initially engaging? His wife knew oh. he had had that dream before. So yes. she asked him, was it the same one? So that's not the problem. I thought it was. In, I thought it was. Uh, I didn't want to know what happens next. It captured my attention. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I realized it was a dream, I felt a little lied to. As a reader, really? yeah, but it's fine. That's interesting. I I don't, I don't feel like to. I just feel like it's part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so the family that's Bill, Carrie, Scott, and Elise. Scott is ten, as you know from the plane, and Elise is like under one. She was a whoops baby. They call her. <laughs> so uh, Scott is ten. So the family's up in the morning. I believe it's a Saturday morning. Scott wants to go outside. And his mom, um, Carrie, gives him the okay. She tells him you go out, you can go outside, but make sure you're back before your father leaves for work. So that's like 10 minutes. And as Scott goes outside, he's met at the door by a stranger. And Carrie comes to the door with Elise on her hip and stands between the man and Scott and asks, can I help you? The stranger says that he's with Calcom. You called about your internet? So she tells, oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I did call. Come on in. Um, she offers him a drink. Carrie thanks Sam um, Sam for coming and telling him it was difficult to get an appointment. Um, it would have been weeks before she can get one. And Sam tells her that they're pretty busy and asks how long the Internet had been out. And she asks the same. Um, she asks if it's normal um, for hers to be the only house that's without internet. Everybody else got internet but me. What's up with that? And Sal tells her that it might be a router and he'd run some diagnostics. And then Bill comes downstairs. Now, Bill doesn't, he barely acknowledges Sam. He just comes down um, and goes in the kitchen. And because there's a little thing between them, they ask Sam to step out because they, they're in the middle of a tip, if you will. Yeah, husband and wife. Yeah, because Sam, um, not Sam, Bill is going to work mm-hmm. when today is the day of his son's um, uh, Little League game, mm-hmm. the season opener. And he didn't think twice about it. He didn't think twice about it at all. When duty calls, duty calls. Yeah. That's the life of a pilot. That's the life of the pilot. But Bill tells Carrie that he will call her before takeoff and then he leaves. His son never comes back in, if you remember. Yeah, he's still outside. When Carrie turns around to offer milk and sugar to um, Sam, guess what? Sam goes, uh, I think he thinks like I was disturbed by her face. Usually if someone sees a gun pointed at them, they look surprised. She didn't look surprised. She looked calm. Yeah. So she gave no reaction. But there's a gun pointed at her and she's reacting internally mm-hmm. she don't want to give this criminal okay this one this person that got a gun to her any power mm-hmm. okay that's why she doesn't react so what would you do in this situation your son is outside and you're outside you're inside with the government and your one-year-old baby i don't know I, I would think my initial reaction would be to scream but i'm actually not um 
in high stress situations, I'm usually a calmer person. So mm. I, I don't think I would be, I feel like I would scream out, but I don't know if I would. And I'm easily startled. So I might scream out. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Mm -hmm. What about you? I just ran outside. Listen, just you have to choose between the two, two children. <laughs> <laughs> the boy's already outside. He got the right idea. Hopefully he's near the car. Otherwise, he ain't going to make it either. But I'm gone. That's given they have two cars. That's given they have two cars. Mm. What if he left with the car? I guess I'm running down the street. Hollering. To a neighbor's house. Mm -hmm. He got my kids. He he don't have your kids. You have your kids. I didn't say kid that. Is outside. I never said I have. I got milk and cookies. You said he she got my kids. Yeah, because the kids are with him. I had to run. No, for, you for had all of your us. daughter and the son is outside. She's holding her daughter. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Save the children. Uh, Scott comes in asking if Bill um, left only to walk in the kitchen to see his mom um, having a gun pointed at her. Mm -hmm. And um, Sam tells the children, tells her the children won't be hurt. Nobody's got to get hurt. Um, and Carrie's like, who's it up to? And Sam just smiles. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Bill. Um, Bill makes it through TSA and he's at the airport. He, you know, he makes it, it through TSA in a way that is not. Um, he doesn't follow protocol. It's like, hey, Mary. Hey, Bill. But they don't. They just send their stuff through the thing. Didn't he send his stuff through the thing? I don't know. Something he did was kind of lax. Uh -huh. He doesn't necessarily follow the rules in that case. And that is normal. Like a TSA yeah. agency is the pilot all the time. Yeah, well, that's a fact. Um, and it might cause the TSA agent to be less diligent or, uh, you know, the, the staff. Uh -huh. If you allow that as a pilot, then that just it's a ripple effect. He mentions that. Thank you. Thank you for that bit of information. Um, yeah. He knew Carrie was mad. So like I said, he calls her. Um, but um, he felt like he couldn't refuse this personal favor from the chief pilot. Bill was the third most senior pilot. And he had been with Coastal Airlines for 25 years. These are ridiculous excuses. Uh -huh. He does not work for the Air Force. This is yeah, not. She's really hard on this. And man. what's it called? Coastal is the Coastal airline. Airlines. And it's um, designed like a nightclub inside. <laughs> Bill, if you don't go home, see your son, Little League Gang. This well, is slow. He makes the call. The call goes to voicemail. And as Bill, um, the call goes to voicemail. So then he just does what he's supposed to do, the standard plane inspection. And then as he's doing this plane inspection, he thinks back to his 18th birthday when he learned about um, why they say souls on board instead of um, people on board. Do you remember what the answer to yeah, that is? Yeah, I like that. Because yeah. if you say passengers... Well, then that doesn't include the flight crew. And if you say passengers and flight crew, that's too much. Yes, and then there might be dead bodies in the um, bin, in the front or, or rear bin. So it's better to say souls because that means all living persons aboard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like you. that. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. um, and when Bill boarded the plane, his co-pilot. I have a question. Oh, please. What if there are four passengers, five dogs? And three flight crew members. How many souls? The animals don't count as souls. Oh, I don't know. Did they say in they the book? don't? They don't count as souls. Mm -hmm. They are though, right? They are souls. Oh, okay. So they're only talking about human souls, living humans. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get it. I get it. I do too. Yeah. Um, 
When Bill boarded the plane, his co-pilot was already in the cockpit and he had a a Yankees cap on because the World Series was that day. They had a playful uh, rivalry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Bill hugged (laughs) a flight attendant as he boarded and she expressed her surprise at seeing him. And then he goes on telling her like, you know, uh, I I had to do this, that and the other. And she's like, I don't know why you're telling me. You should be telling your wife. Yeah, he's like, I'm not at my son's Little League game because this, this, and this. And she goes, I'm sorry, were you talking to me? Because it sounded like you was trying to talk to your wife, mm-hmm. who you should be talking to, or yourself, who you trying to convince. <laughs> and she's black. And she's not um, black like, what's that Bill Clinton book? Who's that author? Ah, James Patterson. She's not James Patterson black. I will say TJ Newman does try to inform the character before By her ethnicity uh, it's not like she black so i kind of felt i kind of yeah, yeah i i did feel like <laughs> the james patterson book you were in my mm-hmm. head as i was reading this book yeah. and i was like uh she's taking away my joy but yeah so yeah. i saw that and i was like mm. She could have did that a little like differently. From goddesses, it's just—it's a bit pandering. <laughs> it's a bit much, really. Yeah. It really is. Okay, so he's on the plane now, and the passengers are boarding. Um, he makes a flight announcement that Coastal Airlines Flight Four One Six is nonstop to JFK. Flying time, five hours, 24 minutes. Um, the passengers continue to board. Um, a young boy and his father come to the cockpit. They have a little moment in there where he shows them around. He reminisces about his experience with his son. Um, once the family leaves, Bill checks his phone again to see if Carrie called back. And then he puts the phone in flight. Mode. She has not called back. Do you think she wrote this part in to give people the impression that the um, pilots put their phone on on airplane mode too. Oh, I don't know if anyone puts their phone in airplane mode anymore. <laughs> so that's that's my thing. Why I think she did that to tell us that. No, I, he didn't put it in airplane mode. Yes, did he? he did. Because he said he was going to check again mid flight. He said before I put the phone in airplane mode in flight mode. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> the cockpit takes off and as the plane settles into uh, cruise mode ben is reading his book bill is reviewing some computer-based training and then he receives an email from carrie that has no subject line or text just a picture attachment what's in this picture carrie oh no uh the picture is of her his son and the one-year-old baby and they're like gagged now, at this point, Inbound? at this point, they have hoods on. The, the, oh, hoods on. Yeah, okay. except the baby. And um, Carrie has is wearing an explosive suicide vest. Yes, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And the son is next to them and they're in the living room. And then the other, another email follows up and instruct, and with them are instructions to put on headphones, followed by incoming FaceTime call. Um, Bill takes a quick assessment of the man. And um, he can see that he's light tan, thin lips, bushy eyebrows, thick, dark hair with an explosive suicide vest strapped to his body. Elise is screaming. That's the baby frantically in the background. Um, Sam told Bill that since he wasn't alone, he needs to and he had and he has something to say that he needs to send it in the email. Um, Sam also told Bill to reach in his messenger bag and pull out a privacy shield for his computer. And then his computer is really functioning there, right? 
Anyway, <laughs> that's he's getting, so Alexis is like, your phone is on airplane mode, but you are live streaming. Is he live streaming or they're going back FaceTime. and forth? time. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's FaceTime. fine. <laughs> Receiving emails and everything. But I think the Internet is like, yeah, he's something, right? Yeah, you can. Yes. <laughs> You can iMessage a WhatsApp Absolutely. and Wi-Fi easily from but, a plane. But you shouldn't be FaceTiming. No video Should chats. Shoulda, Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying this internet. Follow the rules. Is live. Yeah, definitely follow the rules as passengers. And it don't be live when you be on the plane, okay? I'm just saying. Anyway, <laughs> Sam also told Bill um, to pull out that messenger bag. And then Bill realizes that this is the cable guy. And it's like, oh, he put stuff in there. I was in the kitchen with my mm-hmm. wife talking, um, but he couldn't remember if he introduced himself or not. Bill asked to see his family. And until he saw his family, they had nothing to discuss. That's how Bill feel like I'm coming in. Like you do what I say first. Mm-hmm. OK, even though you called me with the threat, mm-hmm. do what I say. So he shows them his family and there is where they're in the kitchen bound and gagged. But they don't have the hoods on. And Sam then tells Bill, you will crash the plane or I will kill your family. If you tell anyone your family dies, the choice is yours. Bill says to Sam, I'm not going to crash the plane and you're not going to kill my family. Sam tells Bill that his what his full name is, I think is. I don't know. I don't remember what his full name is. I don't remember either. You want me to look it up? No, no. He told him that um, he... He would have known if he had introduced himself this morning, but he didn't care because he was the cable guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some direction from the control and there was a little banter from Ben at the same time while this is going on. And Bill tries to play it off as if it's uh, as he's being normal. Mm-hmm. He plays it off to Ben. And then Ben asks about a bathroom break and Bill asks, um, Ben asks about a bathroom break and Ben asks him to wait. And, I, you know, I didn't like that she has... Bill Ben Sam Scott. Yeah, that was really difficult uh, for me at first. Uh-huh. <laughs> Out and of all the names, do we need that? The, uh, no, it should be like Bill and DeAndre. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sam. Yeah. Um. So he, as he tells Sam, his co-pilot is going to take issue with him crashing a plane. Sam tells Bill um, that he's going to need to kill him, and he says, um. Uh, I don't know if I could do that kind of like that. But Sam tells him there's a bag of white powder, like a container, a bottle of white powder that he can poison him with. It goes in his coffee. Don't yeah, worry about that. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can take the co-pilot out. And then he tells him there's a metal cylinder in your back. And like he put a lot of stuff in his bag <laughs> in such a short time. Just drop. That could have been a small like little package thing. Yeah, but it's on separate sides of the bag. Anyway, Bill, uh, so that's Bill, why 41 <laughs> agents was like, nah, girl, work on this one more. Nah, um, so he's got a metal cylinder and Bill's got questions. Sam is ignoring the ones he don't want to answer. Um, in this moment, Bill agrees to crash the plane, but he wanted to um, know what he would be crashing the plane into. He but never Sam agreed. doesn't he say said, what. What am I to be crashing the plane into? He never agreed to crash the plane. We won't go into that because several times he makes the agreement. He's just knowing he's not going to do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He says it to he's say like, yes, him totally. at the moment. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Sam told him that he would tell him the target, but he wouldn't tell him the area. He tells him the target is D.C. 
Samworm Bill that before he tosses the canister, he should have on his own oxygen mask. And he told him if he didn't follow through, he'd have his back. He has a backup on board to make sure the plan goes through. Bill will need to make a choice. I mean, don't just glance over that. He said, if you don't go through with crashing this plane, there is someone aboard that will. Yeah, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Bill, <laughs> why are you looking at me like that? I'm just like, wow, what a predicament. <laughs> that's all I'm just thinking. Yeah, Bill asked Sam what his demands were. And Sam told him, all I want is to see what a good man, a good American man does when he's in a no-win situation. That's a predicament for sure, right? What does a man like you do when he has to choose a plane full of strangers or your family? Choosing who will survive? That is what I want. And Sam laughed as Bill quietly reacts. Bill asked him how he knew he would be on this flight. And he revealed that the chief pilot, the one Bill couldn't say no to, was a pervert. He said he had no problem guaranteeing that you would work the flight so long as the pictures of the little boys or his hard drive did not go public. Bill mm-hmm. asked why he chose him, why he was chosen, and Sam called him an arrogant um, prick and told him he was just merely a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Bill is now reiterating, <sighs> you are not going to kill my family. I am not going to crash this plane. And he hits in and closes his laptop. So after this happens, um, it mentioned earlier that Ben wanted to go to the bathroom and um, Bill told him to wait. So Bill says he's going to go because he needs to get up and kind of think through what's going to happen. Can you please call Ben a co-pilot? Co-pilot. First officer. OK, I'll try that because I now I'm getting confused and I read the book. It's confusing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And just as he's um, getting up to go, Joe is actually calling. That's the head flight attendant. And she's like the strong black queen. <laughs> ah! Yeah, she's actually coming through and saying, uh, oh, yeah, what's taking you so long? I thought you were coming out. And so there's a little protocol to coming out of the cockpit. What is it, Kari? Yeah, to. So the point is, especially after 9-11, no one can get into the cockpit. If the pilots need to use the restroom, they can use a jar. (laughs) Really, they can. (laughs) Or uh, they can go into the bathroom, but someone has to guard the door. Uh And so Joe is ready to guard the door so that Bill can come out and use the restroom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Bill knows he's under threat. His um, the threat for his family. He can't tell anybody. He's not supposed to tell anybody. Um, he knew he might have to throw the canister to you know, kind of go along. Um, that's but not he the was, same as crashing the plane. He was thinking, yeah. But the canister not. is full of poison, right? The canister so is full of poison. People. He he doesn't know what kind of poison it is. He doesn't know anything about this canister. And in his mind, it's like if I don't do it, someone else on this plane is ready to do everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's worried about um, leaving this 140 um, souls and, and the plane crashing. He's got so he's thinking about all this stuff. So he, he decides that he's going to reveal this threat to Joe. The Sam said the Sam Sam said, don't tell anyone or everyone will die. I'll kill your whole family. And Bill said, I got to tell Joe, the strong black flight attendant. Mm hmm. He said, I'm going to tell her and I'm going to tell the her The black right now. queen in the back. Gotta <laughs> know. Because she yeah. don't know what to do. She's going to mm-hmm. save me. 
And you know what? Joe did know what to do. Yeah. He, and his his thing isn't about saving himself. It's about saving the passengers because yeah. that is the primary responsibility yeah. of the flight attendant. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I can't just be going along with this. I have to let Joe know. And she's um, a flight attendant with years of, of experience. experience. Yeah. So, yeah, she'll know what to do. Yep. Um. So Jill's Joe's ideal idea was that she would text her nephew who worked for the FBI. So um, the captain goes to the bathroom, comes out, and then goes back into the um, cockpit. And there um, they make the exchange. The first officer now leaves. Mm-hmm. Now he out. goes to the restroom. He goes to the restroom. And my um, thing is, y'all just got in the air and y'all have to go to the restroom? Because they y'all didn't go professional before. professional pilots. They didn't go before. That's fine. Whatever. Okay. It's just, come on. You, everybody's bladder is different, Kari. Come yeah, on. Everybody's bladder. Okay. So, um, before he goes back in the cockpit, he has a really, uh, he has an exchange with Joe about whether or not she trusts a flight attendant. It becomes clear that Joe um, has only known one of the flight attendants a short while, but Kelly intuition tells her that she should trust her. Yeah. So, Kelly is the new girl. She's kind of uh, not ditzy. She's just new. She's just new. Why you want to call her? I don't know. Oh my goodness, so she's new. And then the other flight attendant is Daddy, and he big Daddy, big, but they call him Daddy. <laughs> they literally were like Daddy, Daddy, do this, Daddy, Daddy. Can you get some coffee? It's a lot. I like it though. It's kind of funny. Okay. Yeah, so sure. It's Daddy, Joe, and Kelly. And at this point, I'm like, well, Kelly is obviously the other the terrorists on right, the flight. But then Joe asks, does he trust Ben? He's like, I haven't really flown with Ben a lot, but my intuition too says I should trust him. This is what the file pilot the pilot says yeah yeah so now you have two new people and how do you automatically not assume they are the backup plan yeah you're right right? Mm -hmm. so um bill told um joe that when the first officer comes out don't tell him about the uh, situation i'm not going to tell him about the situation and um you're going to have control of the cabin i'll take care of the cockpit that's that so when Joe gets a chance, she texts her nephew mm-hmm. and tells him what's going on. Theodore. Theo, yeah. And so Theo um tells his boss. So like he's like this rising star agent who's broken rules, gotten in trouble, and now he's working on a Saturday um for brownie points. And when Joe's text message comes through and Theo um he wants to take this message to his boss, but he's like, Ooh, I'm in a precarious situation. He's really like she's on like, his way out of the FBI if he yeah, messes up one more time. He's like, I don't know if she's going to trust me. Yeah. But he takes it to her. And then even the boss is a bit hesitant to react, to respond to this threat because he be cutting up in the workplace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he be cutting up in the Yeah. <laughs> So listen, when Bill gets back into the cockpit and then the first officer goes on break, he then enables the uh, radio frequency so that only he, the pilot, can hear Mm -hmm. the communications. I would think, but he kind of explains this part a little bit, doesn't he? Because I was, as I went back to read it, I was thinking that would be, uh, wouldn't he automatically know he's not getting the communications? He He could change the channel. Yeah, but wouldn't the first officer know he's, oh, I'm not, I'm not hearing everything. Do you know what I mean? 
No, because the first officer is still hearing like the he's on the right channel. Mm. Bill's not on the right channel. Okay, so he so switched the first to office, another channel. That's what I understood. So the first that officer is sense. hearing everything he's supposed to hear. Okay, from like air traffic control. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Bill switched over to another channel. Okay, for All his right. covert operation. Yeah. So so like he's over on the side having this message, and Ben or first officer Ben is just not in the know of what he's doing, and so when he's back in, he switches the um um frequency and then another email comes in and then this email says that bill needs to read a statement create a video of himself reading the statement and of course bill is like i am not doing that Mm -mm, you can't even convince me to do that and then this scenario happens what happens Kari? do you remember this sam is like to um bill's wife go get me some tea and so she comes back with tea and he pretends that he's gonna drink and he goes ah and he pours it on her <laughs> and she's screaming no they're, they're muffled and scream because the, she's she's <laughs> and then the camera like, cuts <laughs> yeah yeah oh because she's gagged yes sorry and the camera cuts and so Bill is like well I guess I'm gonna read this statement yeah yeah so that's my family Bill records this statement but she's actually not burned at all because she had some forethought. Yeah, she gave and she him cold discerned tea. that it was going to be a problem. <laughs> she didn't even warm up the tea. <laughs> so, so, um, so she acted her little heart out. <laughs> Still muffled. And Sam is like, wait a second. This is ice cold. <laughs> no, he threw it on her. Uh, so it's all gone. <laughs> So this, I was like, isn't there any splash on him? No steam. He nothing. didn't notice. He not, nothing. Steam, <laughs> at the, okay, so at the house, um, Sam tells Carrie, ain't nobody checking for you because no one even knew I was coming. So and then he decided to test her knowledge. He asked her, did she know where Italy was? Did she know where Australia was? She's like, of course, I know all the places. Mm-hmm. So did he remove her gag at this point? I think so, right? No, she still had it on oh. while he's asking these questions. But she's nodding and um, in response. Mm-hmm. And then he asked her, asked her, does she know where Kurdistan is? And he said, I will walk away from all of this. You will never have known me. I'll never come back. If you tell me where it is, you can do it. Birds chirping. Car, were you <laughs> able to answer this? Did you ask yourself that question? Where Kurdistan is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I know where the stands are because of some um, legal issues that I've been monitoring over oh, there. Oh, okay. Wow. Is it? I think you have to. Oh, okay. Um, so <laughs> I knew where it was. I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't either. I, yeah, I too knew where it was. I was like, oh, my life would be saved. He would go away from me. <laughs> We would make it, me and you. Geography. I don't know a lot, but I tell you, I knew that. We knew what Curtis said was. It's next to Turkey. It's in that Turkey area. Okay, okay. Okay, bye. That's That's true, because if you put all the stands together, I don't know which stand is which. But they in that area, and that's the point. She couldn't even say that. Well, that's just irresponsible. Your husband, a whole pilot, a whole pilot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she tries to talk to Sam because 
um, the baby is crying and he, in a way, tries to be comforting to the baby. And so she asks him how many children he has. Um, and then he kind of tells a little bit of a story that he doesn't have any children. He was the oldest of six and he was 18 when his youngest um, sibling was born. Um, he said that he was planning to leave home, but before he could, his father died. And so he ended up staying home in Kurdistan to take care of his family. And that he did for like 17 years. He was on his way to college when his dad died or yeah. college, right? To America. America, with right? His, his bestie. Yeah. They wanted to be like Top Gun. Yep. And join the airport. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, mean, while that conversation has happened, Bill has recorded the video and he sends it back. So next he shares um, his video statement. So Bill has sent the video statement to Sam. He receives it after an error. That's the only um, internet error issue they have. This didn't go through the first time. He sends it <laughs> and You are Sam, so disgusted by how well the internet <laughs> works in the sky. It do work well. Mm -hmm. And Sam um, shares it with the family as entertainment. And then he tells um, Carrie, you know, I put this jammer on the side of your house a couple nights ago. Uh, your appointment was never on the books. Never on the books. Your so internet is fine. No one. That's why the internet working so well on this side. Okay. Mm -hmm. He reasoned with her. And then um, he tells him his name. Her, she, he tells her that his name is Raj. And again, reminding her, no one is coming for you. So mm -hmm. act, don't act up because you could die. So, as you know, Joe had decided she was going to tell the other flight attendants. So she has a little meeting with them and she tells with them who? the other flight attendants. With who? <laughs> <laughs> Kelly and Big Daddy. Okay. Kelly and Daddy. Okay. Daddy, Daddy, come here, Daddy. I got to talk to you. <laughs> now, Kelly seemed a little shocked and put off. She's like she forgot what her role was. Mm -hmm. She was like, oh, OK, you guys handle that and I'll keep serving. Yeah. And they were like, no service. The tea and stuff. That's a service we provide. Our job is to protect the souls aboard. Mm -hmm. So the flight attendants come up with a plan. Well, Big Daddy. It's a bad plan. Says. It's reasonable to tell the passengers everything. Joe has determined that that is not a good idea. So they decide to make up an excuse so that they can tell the passengers they're going to be wearing their mask, their oxygen mask. So who's right in this case, Joe or Big Daddy? So Joe is like, I don't want to be at fault for this pilot's family being killed. And Big Daddy is like, we got a whole plane of people to be concerned about. Yeah, and they all have families that they should be able to say goodbye to. Mm -hmm. Who but is right? I don't know. I don't know either. Mm -hmm. Anyway. <laughs> so they can't make the, um, the announcement using the speaker system because the pilots would hear that too. So they're like, oh, we have to go seat by seat to tell everybody. It's like, that's not a problem because... You know, we just have to. This is the way it has to be done. So um, she, Joe feels like that's a good way to keep everything contained. If you tell them in the small package, I'll tell first class. Y'all go back there and tell all of those people. Um, Joe is telling herself that Theo is going to care for the family 
um, and Bill is going to take care of the plane. She's got to do her part with the other flight attendants, and that is to take care of the passengers. And that is make sure they're masked up by the time this canister is thrown. Yeah, get those oxygen masks down. Mm-hmm. And they don't tell them, do they? They just drop the os- oxygen masks. Right. They don't tell them why. They're like, well, uh, they did. They made it up that excuse about um, aviation, oxygen, um, flight deck issues um, and manually releasing the mask Mm -hmm. because they had to manually release them. So back at the house, Theo and the FBI arrive. And so they're checking out the area. And then as they're checking the area and watching the house, they, you know, deciding when to proceed. And I think they were also waiting for more backup. Mm -hmm they see a politician spreading flyers door to door, door to door. And they're coming up on the uh, bill and carry home the house that they're scoping out. And so while the boss is like, wait, wait, Theo, who'd been in trouble before, decides he's going to take it into his own hands and go to the door and let the politician know, get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he goes over to the door and just as he's about to get him out of the way, the house explodes. Politician dies. Politician dies. Of course, they think the family is dead. Um, and Theo is being told to go home because, you know, you've acted impulsively again. We're sick of you behaving in this manner. And then he gets word that a passenger on the plane has his oxygen mask on and his picture has gone viral. He's a pseudo celebrity and influencer. And he posted that photo. Yeah, to his 10 million followers. And he told the followers why he was told to put on the mask. And people are like, that's not a thing. Yeah, They're not telling you something. You need to get the truth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and so they start asking questions like what, you know, now all the passengers are like, what's really going on? What aren't you telling us? Yeah. And so as this is boiling um, Big Daddy decides to <laughs> start a small fire in the bathroom. So the alarm goes out and they were able to leave that and go check and see what it is because initially they don't know. So they go back and they find out it's really Big Daddy that started Thank the fire. Thank you quick on his feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bill starts to receive text messages from his neighbors like, is anybody home? I hope you're flying. I heard you're flying today. And then they reveal to him um, that his house exploded and and they're blaming it on a gas leak. And um, Bill is scared because, of course, he believes his family was still in the home. And he doesn't know if the FBI got to them in time. And then just then he gets a message from Sam. His family is alive, but in a different location. And Bill is like, but what did I do? Because he doesn't know the picture has gone viral. Mm-hmm. And Sam said, I warned you that if you um you you talk about this, your family was going to die. He then shows him the picture of the man going viral and Sal tells him that um, he took his family on a road trip and now Bill will have to deal with the consequences. So um, Sam tells him it's time for plan B and lo and behold, Kari, who, what's next? What's happening here? Yeah. So the mole on the plane is co-pilot Ben. What? The first officer? Yeah. Yeah. He pulls out a gun which got past the TSA agent because they'd be playing games with TSA. And that's what that was telling us. Yeah. That was like the... That was telling us that they too loosey-goosey with TSA. Yeah. They got this buddy-buddy camaraderie thing. 
And I get it. You're fine. You're not bringing anything harmful aboard. But in this case, your co-pilot was. Yeah. And because you were so lax with the rules, now your co-pilot got on with the gun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So after the flight attendant kind of inspects the explosion, he confirms that there's only one dead body. So the family is presumed safe. Um, And the dead body is the politician. Yeah. And the then Theo's boss gets a call that since the threat is to D.C., potentially the White House, they need to have a contingency plan that the plane will be shot from the air if the FBI can't save the family. That's real. Mm-hmm, very real. In the cockpit, we learn that um, Sam and Ben um, are close enough to call each other brothers. And Bill is listening to his wife engage with Sam and um, and Ben still has his gun pointed at Ben, the first officer, has his gun pointed at Bill. Um, And then you know what else Bill is doing? While he's watching the video, paying attention to the video, has his gun pressed, um, pointed at him. He's using Morris code. Oh, yeah. he's um, He was taught Morris code against his wishes and it's coming in handy. That's right. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what? The, uh, the, I was saying Morris code. Morse code. Morris code. Morse. Morse? Yeah. Morse. Okay. Morris Chestnuts code. Okay. Mm-hmm. Morris code. Morris code. Um, the flight attendants then decide because they now have to come up with another idea. And what they decide to do is to live stream a broadcast to a new station and tell the passengers what's going on. So Joe texts Theo to turn on the news because she about to say it. Um, the IG famous passenger, he then tweets, he tweets in preparation for this, that the plane was hijacked. And then Joe starts her message and reveals the plane is being hijacked. And we got to get you to put on your mask because we're concerned for your safety. This canister is coming. Um, yeah, it's all for your safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Bill has now, um, now that the family is in a new location, he is like picking up clues as to where they could be, what they could be in, because mm-hmm. the background has changed and they're no longer in the house. Of course, the house has exploded. So he's just trying to see how he can support everybody else on the ground or, mm-hmm. so that his family can get safe. And he learns that the family is in a moving band. band. It's... um. The van is near an airport um, and somewhere where they could cook out um, because it was something that the son said as he was trying to calm his little sister down. Um, So he shares that information using Morris code. And of course, they share with the FBI Um, and Theo is able to figure out this new location. So, again, as he likes to do things on his own and not wait um, and also his boss and the people discussing it had decided it's another location. Mm -hmm. But Theo was like, no, it's this location and I'm going to save the day. Yeah. It's not that they don't believe him, but there are other possible locations. He is trusting his intuition and his life experience. And so while they uh, follow up on one location, he's like, I have more to lose in this case because my aunt's actually on that plane. True, true. So I'm going to follow what I believe to be right and check out the location I believe the family is being held at. So he hops in an unmanned SUV and he takes off. So he steals a vehicle and takes off. Okay. Calm down. He borrows it. (laughs) 
Okay, you borrow, you ask. He just took. This is serious. Okay, we don't have time for this. Okay. The family's life is on the line. Okay. So now it's time to throw And that's the- legal, by the way. Right. Yeah. It's in the And it's the FBI. It's the interest of the public. Yeah. Right, so right. you have to relinquish your property. Mm-hmm. So now it's time to throw the canister. This canister. Yeah. So Joe knows it's coming. She doesn't know exactly when. The passengers... Um, are putting their masks, they're masked up. Joe has some volunteers up front in first class to assist her. I think there was a tall Syrian man that everyone was afraid of. And he ends up helping the most. Yeah. And exactly. Joe is so happy she didn't judge him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just, come on. I see it, but I see yeah. it. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> So they're ready. They're ready for the gas to come. But the thing is, the the mask only have 12 minutes on them and then they're out of gas. Okay, but the flight attendants, they have a little bit longer, but still less than maybe the pilots have. So um, the plan is to try and grab the canister immediately after it's tossed from the cockpit to put it in a garbage bag and throw it in the lavatory. Um, Soon, very soon after a white excuse me, the canister is thrown and white residue spews from the canister. Who throws the canister? Bill. So Bill opens the cockpit, throws the canister. Who knows what's in it? Who knows? Mm -hmm. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Don't judge him. I'm just saying, active voice. Say it positively. (laughs) (laughs) Who throws the canister of poison? Absolutely. Commotion, including a passenger actually making a dash for the cockpit to try to get in, they're able to contain the canister and everybody is still breathing and okay. And at some point, um, Theo reaches the location where they think where he feels like the van is, and he arrives to find Carrie outside the suspected van with um, an explosive vest on and Sam is pointing a gun at her. And Carrie, um, she has decided that she's going to try to get the upper hand in some way. So she's got to save her family because she know there's too many things that affect that um, has Bill emotionally caught up. So she's trying to stand up and do her part. Mm-hmm. So she gets Sam out of the van. He's, she says she has to go to the bathroom. Um, but again, she's in this, you know, this vest, this protective vest. He's got the detonator to this vest for the one he has on and the one she has on. She leaves the kids in the van. The father can see him. Bill can see him because he can still see them on FaceTime. And so she's outside the van, wants to go to the bathroom. She asks Sam to help her to unbuckle her pants because, you know, it's awkward. You got all this stuff on. And she sees that as an opportunity as he's helping her. I mean, let's give Carrie some credit. First, she urinates on herself. That happened a long time ago. That happened in the van. And then she says, can I please go outside? I thought that happened while Mm -mm. she was at the house. Absolutely not. Because her son is laying on her lap and he's like, ew, mom. Now, a lot is going on, and this is what the little boy cares <laughs> he's about. He's a little boy. <laughs> so he's like, why is your laugh wet? Mm. And so, good job, Carrie. Yeah. So she was like, I got to go. And if I was Sam, I'd be like, but you just went. Why you got to go again? That don't make sense. That's why I think it happened earlier. No. Okay, we'll see. We won't worry about that. I have a lot of confusion about this book. Don't worry. 
Um, so she sees this opportunity and she drives her knee into his crotch and she gets the detonator. So now she has the power. Mm-hmm. All she needs to do is detonate it and her children are safe. But she's dead. And so is Sam. Yeah. So she um, takes this opportunity to ask Sam why. And he decides to reveal it. They have been com- having conversation like throughout. Um, but this is the wrap up. So I'm going to read that. <clears throat> I'm going to read that. It's on page 250. He said, I got to L.A. in September of 2019. Sam said in a dark, bitter tone, it was heaven. The sun, the ocean, everything was so clean. I was doing it. We were doing it together. Finally, all of it. Life was just outstanding. A month later, your president ordered a troop withdrawal from northern Syria. Our little pocket of Kurdistan, which gave Turkey the green light to attack. They came after our people within days. He shook his head with a dark laugh. Betrayed again. Abandoned again. And after we had sacrificed so much, fighting alongside you, destroying ISIS for you, we lost 11,000 YPG fighters defeating ISIS for you. 11,000. And you do that? You betray us like that? When Ben and I saw our town on the news, it took three days before we were able to make contact with anyone on the ground. Do you know how many in our families died? She didn't respond. All of them, Carrie, every single one. We were sent pictures so we could identify the bodies. The last image I have of my brother is, the last image I have of my mother is her bloated, rotting corpse. Blisters on her lips, burns across her skin. Ahmad, my baby brother, laid across her, foam around his mouth, yellow pus from the chemicals. My brother's last act was trying to protect our mother. His eyes had filled with tears and now they narrowed on her. She tightened her grip on the detonator. Were you aware of the troop? drawdown he asked and the attacks that came as a result she felt the shame blossom across her cheeks she shook her head Sam nodded a few times crossing his arms well I'm sure you were pretty busy probably had a deadline with work Scott's baseball practice I bet friends were coming over for dinner or maybe you saw it on the news but just couldn't be bothered to care. It was just some poor country, some poor people. Attacks like that just happened there. That's just how it is. His voice began to rise. I know it's how you reacted because I saw it happen. I was here. So was Ben. We were safe. We were in a country where attacks like that don't happen. And all around us, we watched you get your green smoothies and go to the gym. We watched you take selfies and go on vacation. I watched a grown woman sob hysterically. I mean, rolling around in the grass, hysterical, when she saw a dog get hit by a car. And all I could imagine was the look on her face when she clicked past the news of my village's annihilation. 
bored, distracted. I mean, the privilege. He snarled against the word and Carrie flinched against the truth. The detonator hung between them. Ahmad, my baby brother, he was the reason I never resented losing all those years. He was what I was most proud of in my life. And he was taken from me, taken from me, because this country sees him, sees our people as nothing, expendable, just poor people they can do whatever they want with. A wave rolled in and another. Sam, Carrie said in a voice that was grounded for her, but full of tenderness. I get why you're doing this, but it doesn't justify what you're doing. He didn't have a response. He just blinked at her. You have every right to be angry, Sam. I would be too. But your guilt can't. My guilt? My guilt? What about your guilt? You and your ignorance and inaction. This country and the way you think. So after this moment, Sam reminds her again that even though she has the detonator, he still has her children and he also has a gun. So he's pointing his gun at her, as I mentioned, and then a shot is fired and it was steel. He shoots Sam. Carrie was able to kick the gun away from Sam and Sam ends up running and Theo runs after him. The rest of the FBI show up and Carrie directs them to Theo um, where she witnessed them, Theo and Sam tussling. And Sam eventually shoots himself. On purpose. On purpose. Mm -hmm. The family is now safe and it's time to get the plane to safety. So Bill could see, because again, he's still seeing his family, that his family is safe. He can see Carrie in the van with his children. And Bill hears that Sam is dead. And so now he is determined, even more so determined, to make sure this plane crashes. Ben, ben tells... Doesn't crash. Does crash. Does not crash. No, no, Ben. Oh, see, say co-pilot. <laughs> the first officer. So the, the first, first officer, officer is more determined now to follow through on their mission, their yes, evil mission. Yeah. First <laughs> officer tells Ben he is out of options. He now points the um, the gun at Bill's head and Carrie can see this on camera. She like, oh, the co-pilot is the backup plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody knows that the backup plan is the first officer, the co-pilot. And so as the co-pilot points the um, pistol at Bill, he unzips his bag. And guess what? What? Another canister. No. Yeah. Absolutely. And they have no more oxygen in the cabin. No more. Exactly. None. None mm -hmm. in the cabin. So the fight ensues as a, um, okay, Bill is trying to stop the first officer from throwing a canister. However, the first officer gets the upper hand and tosses the canister, opens the cockpit door and tosses the canister. It like flies through the mm -hmm. air over Joe's head and it's like in the back somewhere. So there's like... Um, she sees this canister happen. She didn't expect it. She's frozen. Um, and so now there's efforts for 
many people, but there's also people running and screaming because mm-hmm. they don't want anything. And of course, the white air is spewing out. Mm-hmm. And again, no one has masks, so no one is protected. So they're trying to get away from it. Um, and Joe stays put. And since it's not in her area, she's like, they can handle that. Mm-hmm. And and Big Daddy handles it. Okay. He handles it. <laughs> the canister, as the canister hits poison into the air, the passengers are scrambling. The canister is rolling between the aisles and daddy pounced on the canister. Somebody throws him a sweatshirt. He wraps it up. He then, um, I think it ends up getting a coffee carafe and puts mm-hmm. it in there and takes it into the laboratory. So... Although there are some side effects that they're all experiencing, the passengers, of course, because they don't have their oxygen mask, it's clear um, they've been affected by the the gas. Ben now reveals that the plane was headed towards the World Series game, not Washington as he um, as uh, Bill expected. Yeah, Sam said. Yeah, so. The first officer tells Bill to take the plane off of autopilot and fly manually. Theo texts Joe to tell her that Sam is dead and that Ben is the backup plan. And so the flight attendants go into action to try to assist the pilot. Their plan is to bust in on the cockpit because they have the code. And once they tap in the code, they have like 45 seconds to um, for the pilot or co-pilot to react stopping the uh, countdown Mm. for the door to open because if they if they're able to stop it of course they won't get in but if no one stops it they can get in to help Mm -hmm. out so because uh the first officer and bill hear this the beeping Mm there's a um there's a fight there's a fight between them um Bill also tries to plead before they get into this fight, plead mm-hmm. with um, the first officer to change his plan. He promises to educate himself. And um, Bill said, um, excuse me, the first officer says, um, no, it's too late. Today is a good day to die. Mm-hmm. And um, the president actually at this time, because he's been alerted, uh, sends out the choppers to shoot down the plane because as he's they're tussling, they look over and at times it looks empty. Mm-hmm. So they're ready to shoot it down. But anyway, there is savings of days here. The cabin crew, once they enter it, Bill is able to stop the first officer um, from stopping the cockpit <laughs> door from opening mm-hmm. by stabbing him in the throat. Yes. And as he stabs him in the throat and he's expiring, the first officer shoot Bill, shoots Bill. And then um, the cockpit door opens and Joe is able to come in. Um, Bill is in and out of consciousness, but he is able to help Joe land the plane. And that is the end of our story. Oh, wow. Shall we take a quick break? Let's do it. Thank you so much for that deep dive. You're welcome, Kari. What did you think of the book? What's your final verdict? And would you recommend this book? 
I would say this book was a fun ride. I read it in about a day and a half, and that's because it was a real page turner. Uh, Did it have any weight? Was there anything in this book that I will remember that I'll take with me that has improved my thinking ability, reasoning ability? Um, No. (laughs) But do you need that from every book you read? No. No. It was fun. It was fun. Wow. Um, I do remember when we pulled out of, I believe, Syria. And um, yeah, a lot of people knew about it and were in an uproar. Um, and a lot of uh, Kurdish people were displaced, a lot of them killed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, a tr- these are based on facts, uh, recent facts. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, the fact that she pulled from that and her experience as a flight attendant, I think aided in probably uh, the fluid nature in which this book was written. It, it was probably a lot of fun for her. Um, and it was fun to read. Mm. I'll never read it again. Um, but if someone is looking for a beach read, this oh, is a beach, beach read. read. This is actually a book you read on a plane. I read it on a plane. Yeah. yeah. I think so. I think it, it can be. Added. Tell mm-hmm. me again, what's a beach read? Yeah, you know, whatever. I can tell you what it's not. It's not Anna Karenina. It's not. Uh, the warmth of other suns, unless you want to read those on the beach, but they're not beach reads. Beach reads are light books that you can pick up and put down. You can jump back into the plot um, whenever, you know. Uh, yeah, they're not life changing books. Usually they're just fun. You know what? Um, the creator of Hamilton, he read Hamilton on the beach. OK. <laughs> So that's my verdict. Alexis, what did you think of Falling? And would you recommend this book? I repeat, you were in my head when I was reading this book. Uh, And that's a bad thing because that means I can no longer read for enjoyment. So I'm going to work on that for my personal enrichment. My mission is accomplished. this book put me in the mind of President's Daughter with the introduction oh, no. of um, Joe as the Black person. Um, and I felt like the the story was predictable. I think um, she was in a prayer circle once <laughs> with her aunties. Isn't that part of the book? I don't One remember. Prayer, I don't remember. <laughs> prayer warriors. Where my I, prayer warriors at? I think you can get a sense early on who the backup in the uh, play um on the plane was and I literally rolled my eyes when they identified the um, bad guy that bad guy is being from the Middle East oh. I did the inter- airplane internet okay it wasn't perfect okay it's not perfect when you're in the air okay they might have a different Wi-Fi system and that's what I attributed to mm-hmm. that's what I attributed to but I was affected by that okay I did like hearing about airplane protocol, you know, the cockpit changes. I hope it wasn't too specific. I hope she. I know I do. I hope. That. Yeah. <laughs> you always hope that when you hear the when you see things like that. I don't like want this that. to be a manual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For bad doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I when I got the book, I picked it up and put it down several times. So um, it, this book is very fast paced and action packed. It has mm-hmm. a lot of um, high action pieces. Um, I think I would still recommend this book because it is um, action packed Mm -hmm. and it is um, light. Yeah, I think it's light. light. Like uh, the bad guys perish. um, And in that way, the fact that uh, knowing that you feel attached to Mm. 
Guys, it doesn't weigh perhaps on your emotions mm. like another book might. Yeah. But it is quite predictable, I would say. And, you know, I uh, I don't mind a predictable book. It's you that make it a problem. OK, it's you. This is your verdict. You seem like you mind. Can I read a portion of the book for you? Not yet. <laughs> and finally, I uh-huh. will say that I decided to look at Goodreads in some of the comments. And I feel like this comment summed it up pretty well. Oh, okay, go ahead. It said, of course the passengers are upset. The flight attendants, heroic. The bad people, Middle Eastern, and the authorities, good meaning, but bumbling. I said, oh yeah, that does mm-hmm. sum it up. So cliche. Quite, quite well. Mm-hmm. So all in all, yes, I would recommend the book. <laughs> Even though it was uninspired, uncreative. Yeah, but it's, the book's supposed to be just flatly enjoyable. That's flat. It. The book is flat. And that's okay. You know what else is flat? The designs of um, Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Very flat, yeah, okay. literally. Okay. Let me read a portion. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, Joe, remember that's the black flight attendant. How can we forget? No, you can't. <laughs> Joe turned her eyes lighting up with surprise as Bill stooped to hug the petite middle-aged woman. Her fluffy black coils tickled his cheek as a familiar vanilla scent rose up from the dark brown skin. <laughs> it's my signature scent, Joe says. <laughs> Same as my mama and her mama before that. That's all. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know us black ladies always wearing our signature scents passed on from our ever knowing ancestors. (laughs) Vanilla. The formula hasn't changed. It's Victoria's Secret Vanilla. (laughs) (laughs) This is fun. I mean, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. That's it. What are we? It's gonna hard do? for um for people to write characters of color. Is it though? Obviously, uh, I, I think we've read people who write characters of color. Oh, name one. Fine. Uh, black Dude. people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank y'all for listening to Listen Society. Alexis, what are we reading next week? American Prometheus, uh, The Triumph and Tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer. And we're taking that in two parts, so we'll be covering part one next week. Yeah, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to Lit Society. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Anaria and me. Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a comment for our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, along with a five-star review. Tell a friend about Lit Society if you enjoyed what you heard today. Um, follow our newsletter. Visit LitSocietyPod.com to sign up. Do that. And mm-hmm. until next time, you guys... Oh, and we love you. And until next time, you guys, read...